listening to The Venue Podcast. The Venue is a worship gathering of Southcrest Baptist Church. To learn more about The Venue at Southcrest, visit us online at southcrest.org or on Facebook and Instagram by searching for Southcrest Baptist Church. We hope this podcast helps you find your greatest pleasure and purpose in Jesus. You want to know something that, like, frustrates me, and probably, actually, I'm sure it frustrates you, whether you realize it or not, like, that I would even say just makes me angry, um, is when Satan tricks people. Not just tricks, but, like, schemes his way in, into harming them. One of my best friends, who is the best man in my wedding, um, from college, he great godly guy, and um, man, God was using him in, in incredible ways. He's actually a pastor at a church, and it wasn't an overnight thing, but over a kind of period of time, um, man, Satan, I, I would say, like, picked him off <laughs> and got him hooked on drugs, and uh, I won't give you all the details, but kind of made a wreck of his life. Now, the good news is, is that my friend is, is on a better path now, but his life will never be what it was, or I would even say like what it could be, like what God intended for it. You guys have friends like that maybe? I think of another one of my friends, he was also at my wedding. Um, Oh, there's a lot of guys that were at my wedding that are doing just fine. (laughs) Um, (laughs) um, But but one guy... um, Man, Joe, Joey Braswell is from Opelika, Alabama, just outside of Auburn, Alabama. And uh, great guy, the biggest servant heart you could ever meet. And uh, I guess it's been about four, probably about five years ago now, he, he killed himself. He bought the lie that his life wasn't worth living. I don't really think that was, that was from Satan. And when I think about those two guys, like, I remember especially when my, the guy that was the best man in my wedding, when I think about him, when I, that was all first going down, I would, I remember telling my parents, I wish I could just, like, if Satan was visible, I wish I could just choke him out. You know what I'm saying? You ever felt that way about something? Maybe as a parent, you see the way Satan is getting a grasp on your kid, or maybe as a kid, gosh, you've seen the harm that Satan has done to your parents, or even think about your friends, and it's like, I just wish I could choke that fool out. Y'all ever felt that way? <laughs> He, he's, he's sneaky. Is it first Peter that says he's like a, a roaring lion seeking whom he can devour. Now you're going to really think I'm, I'm, like, like, I'm so glad I wasn't in Brandon and Lauren's wedding, but the guy that did our wedding, <laughs> I wasn't trying to, I wasn't, sorry. Uh, as I'm saying this, I'm like, man, that sounds terrible. Um, Lauren and I would tell you, and he's still like, he's a, he's a, He's a good guy. That sounds funny to say. He's a good guy. Uh, I think he's a pretty decent dad. He loves Jesus, I think. Um, but he, after leading ministries and being like just an incredible dad, like all, all the guys in Lawrence College Ministry growing up uh, wanted to be like this guy. I mean, even when I met him, I'm like, Man, this guy's the coolest person ever. And a few years back, he just, and again, I don't think it was overnight, but he just went to his wife one day and said, Hey, I'm not having an affair. Nothing's going on, but um, I'm paraphrasing. This is essentially what he said. He said, God wants me to be happy. I'm not happy with you, so I'm going to leave you and the boys. And I remember like, just 
you want to slap him because like, bro, Satan has got you tricked. Like you're buying a lie. <laughs> how do we stand against Satan's schemes? How do, we, how do we live our lives where we don't get duped into the trash that he's trying to get us to believe? How do we live our lives so that down the road, you're not like, you know, I'm still a Christian, but golly, I made a wreck of my life in that period of time. Just, you know, like, again, he's, he's sneaky. It would be nice if when, when Satan tempts us, if there was like a big sign or it was just real obvious that Satan's trying to get me. <laughs> it's not how it works, right? Satan's pretty slick. How do we stand against him? How do we not give in to his temptations? Turn, if you have your Bible, to Ephesians chapter 6. Hey, by the way, I'm going to, I think y'all know I'm pretty, pretty transparent, not too uh, worried about like saying everything just right, but, and I think it's probably just because of what I'm talking about this morning, but for whatever reason, like, I don't know where I'm fine, I'm not about to pass out or nothing, but I just like have felt a little off this morning. You ever feel that way? And I think it's just because of what I'm talking about. Um, so can we just pray for a second? I'm going to selfishly ask that you pray for me, <laughs> that, that God would just use me and um, that he would speak through his word. Is that cool? All right, let's pray together. I'll let, I'm just gonna. I'm gonna pray quiet. I'll let you pray quiet too. <laughs> God, thank you for your word, and thank you that. Even though we have an enemy who is seeking to kill and to, to steal our lives and destroy us, that you are bigger than him. And God, you give us ways to fight. We don't have to lay down and just get beat up by the enemy. You give us ways to fight. And so I pray this morning that you would open our eyes, that we would start fighting, that we would start standing firm against Satan. Maybe that we would even just realize that we're in a battle. Um, and Lord, that you would just speak. I pray you would, um, whether it's nerves or just spiritual warfare, whatever's going on, God, in my heart and mind, I pray you would just uh, calm me and give me focus. And um, more, more than anything, your word and your spirit would just speak. It's your name we pray. Amen. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord. I, if you're a highlighter, underliner, or whatever in your Bible, um, I would encourage you to circle in the Lord. He doesn't say, no, look here, just man up, be strong. Be strong in who? The Lord. Is the Lord strong? Yes, the Lord, he, he doesn't like need rest days because he worked out too hard, right? Like, he's strong. <laughs> be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might, not your might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Listen, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. So just, just to make sure we're all aware, our enemy is not, uh, and again, so just to equal both sides here, 
Your enemy is not the conservatives. Your enemy is not the liberals. Your enemy, your, your, your enemy is not Fox News or CNN, right? No. Your enemy is not the person sitting down from you. We wrestle against the rulers, against the, the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Who is our enemy? Satan. Yeah, that's who he's referring to. He's referring to the evil one. He's referring to Satan and his cronies, the demons. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. So, pretty simple. How does he tell us we can withstand Satan's attacks, his schemings? What do we need to do? Sorry, one more time. Yeah, put on the armor of God and stand firm, right? Take up the whole armor of God. Now, here's, I was thinking about this passage. There's kind, of, there's kind of this hype around this passage. Even like myself a few weeks ago when I realized this passage was coming, I had to not psych myself out like, oh, armor of God, it's got to be a good sermon, man. That's armor of God. Like, all the scriptures, God breathing is profitable, so it's not that one verse is better than the other. But we tend to have this hype of like, well, I'm going to stand firm. I'm going to put on the armor of God. And then if you like, like, so what does that mean? You're like, I don't know, but I'm going to do it, right? We do that, don't we? There's kind of this hype around it. Put on the whole armor of God. So what we're going to do this morning, we're going to, well, one of the ideas, suit up. But we're going to walk through what is the armor of God. Because as I put on the armor of God, I can do what? Talk to me. I can stand firm. I can resist Satan's schemes. So just to make sure we're on the same page here, first of all, you are in a battle, whether you know it or not. You're in a war. And your enemy is Satan. And he's, he's scheming against you. He's plotting how to steal, kill, and destroy you. So you should wake up if you're not awake. <laughs> you have an enemy. But you also, if you're a Christian, you have a heavenly father that says, hey, I got your back. I'm going to give you strength. I'm going to give you some armor so you can suit up. Now, as we go through these things, I'm going to point out, I think there's um, six items for the armor of God, and I'm going to point out two other things that I think help us stand firm against Satan. And that sounds like a lot. If y'all know, like, normally I've got one, maybe two, if we get crazy, maybe three points in a sermon. So that means we got eight points this morning. So we're going to get out of here about 12 o'clock. No, I'm kidding. Not really. Um, eight points. And I was thinking about that. I'm like, uh, even last night, we were, took the kids and Duval, our dog, on a walk, and I was processing. I was like, man, that seems like a lot of like a lot of stuff. But listen, if you were going out to battle, like a physical battle, like something happened with a country and, and like America versus another country and you were called up to war, every piece of armor that your commander, whoever gave you, you would be like, thank you, right? You wouldn't be like, man, I don't need that. That's too much. You'd be like, anything to protect me, I'll take it. Maybe you're tougher than me, but I would take it, right? So I think that should be our posture this morning is not like, Golly, this sure is a lot to think about. But instead, please, I'll take anything you got to protect me from the stinking enemy, the devil. Y'all with me? Are you with me? All right, okay, making sure. <laughs> take up the whole armor of God. So what is it? Verse 14. Stand, therefore, having fastened, excuse me, fastened on the belt of truth. The belt of truth. Let, let's pause just for a moment. I, I want to say this one more thing before we like talk about that. Sorry. 
I think for most of us, the reason I want to like walk through each of these, for most of us, um, why it's so important that we talk about like what is the armor of God and how, how do we put it on? You, you can't go to your closet in the morning and be like, sweet, build a truth, pull it out, right? You can't go and be like, where's my helmet? Sweet. Like, you, you can't do that. I think Paul helps us by giving us this imagery, imagery, but I can't go to the closet and look at it. I can't, like, when, when you were looking at the, the worship team leading on stage this morning, uh, you can't say, like, oh, sweet, Colin has his breastplate of righteousness on. Like, you can't see that. So I'm going to try to help us see what it looks like. Okay, that said, the first thing we do is fasten on the belt of truth. Here's how I'm going to word that, maybe, like, in a, in a way that you can do something about that. And that is secure, so point number one, secure the truth. Secure the truth. And again, when I say secure, think about a belt. You you, you secure it around you, right? I almost said cling to the truth, but I'm not clinging to my belt this morning, right? My belt is clinging to me. You with me? Here's the deal. As I secure the truth, the truth secures me. So in, in that time, you could argue even now, but in that time especially, the belt was used to help tuck in the tunic, keep the sword in place. So as you were going into battle, your tunic stayed where it was supposed to be. You could you could move around, you could move forward, you could progress, you could fight, and everything would be held together. It, when I was uh, studying this, it made me think of when I was in middle school, middle school, uh, Becker County Bobcats, okay, represent, <laughs> and uh, Richard's the only person that knows what I'm talking about. Anyways, the Bobcats, uh, I was like third string cornerback, uh, you know what I'm saying, just really good. And I remember when I did go into play, I could never make a tackle because, uh, I kind of still have this problem, but my... I'm not going to say it anyways, but my, my pants wouldn't fit around my waist. They were too big. And so I would have to run with like one hand trying to make a tackle and one hand holding my pants up because if not, your pants fall down and your, all the pads, like your hip pads and stuff come out and it's not good, right? What I needed was a belt to hold everything in place so that I wouldn't have to like keep on like trying to do two things at once, right? When you secure the truth, the idea is that you're making up your mind about what you believe about God, what you believe about Jesus, what you believe about what he says about this world. Does that make sense? It's hard to stand against the enemy. It's hard to move forward in your walk with Christ. It's hard to resist his lies. If you're always like going throughout your day, well, I think, I think God's real and I, and I think God is good and and maybe Jesus is the only way to heaven. If you're still wrestling with that, it's like running around the Christian life trying to fight the enemy, holding your pants up. That's difficult, right? Secure the truth. So this morning, again, first thing, maybe it's making up your mind about, hey, I'm going to draw a line in the sand. Am I going to start man, just moving forward with believing what Scripture says about God, what Scripture says about me? Secure the truth. I don't know if we've noticed, um, but a belt doesn't make very much of a good wardrobe. It's kind of skimpy, and so we need some more armor. <laughs> he says, put on the breastplate of righteousness. Here's how I'm going to phrase that. It's, again, something we can do because that's a cool picture, but what do we do? Second thing, pursue purity. So our belt, we're going to secure the truth. Second thing, the, our, our chest plate, we're going to pursue purity. Another way to say it, you're going to do the right thing. Righteousness, doing the right thing. <laughs> as you do the right thing, as you live how God has told you to live in Scripture, 
You're guarding your heart. Man, listen to this. When you, when you choose sin, it's like opening up the door to your house and inviting Satan to come on in and hang out with you. Come on in, hang out in here. And at first he may seem like a good house guest, but Satan, <laughs> what does he like to do? Steal, kill, and destroy. He's not a good house guest. So many of us wonder why we're walking around like, man, I'm defeated by the enemy. I'm not growing in my relationship with Christ. But we've given Satan a key to our heart. I don't mean you're possessed, but you've given Satan a key to your heart when you choose sin. He starts wrecking shop in your life. So you know what you need to do? Kick that fool out, lock the door, lock the, or set the alarm and get your shotgun and tell him to stay away. <laughs> you're not coming in my house. I'm not going to choose sin. When you choose sin, you're letting him on in. <laughs> Pursue purity. Pursue righteousness. And in so doing, what do you do? You're guarding your heart. Yeah, we could camp out there for, for, we could do a series on that, of how many of us wonder why Satan is walking all over us, but we just, we've, we've given him the code to destroying our lives. <laughs> pursue purity. So first thing, secure the truth. Second thing, pursue purity. We said this a few weeks ago, being a Christian is not just about what you don't do. It's about what you do. I love verse 15. <clears throat> and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel. Don't you, when you put your shoes on, I don't mean this like every time that you're like, my shoes are on. But when you put your shoes on, there's kind of this sense of like, you're ready for your day. You're ready to go, right? Like, again, not that you mentally think through all that and you're like, well, I'll put my shoes on. Don't try me. But, but when you put your shoes on, there's this, literally, there's, you're ready to move. You're ready to go. There's this preparedness. I really think the idea here, idea, <laughs> told you I was struggling. The idea of readiness given by the gospel of peace is, if I could say this so for our third point, is prepare to share. Prepare to share. So I've got secure the truth, pursue purity, Prepare to share. There's a readiness given by the gospel of peace. So as a Christian, I'm going to each day put on this, the armor on my feet of being ready to go and share the gospel. Being ready to go and, and tell others about Jesus. And if you're like, well, man, that, like, what does that have to do with armor of God? How does that help us fight against Satan? It's because Satan hates the gospel. <laughs> He hates the good news of Jesus, that you and I are wicked and evil and sinful and dead in our sins apart from Christ. But in spite of that, God loved us so much that he sent Jesus, his one and only son, to pay the price for our sins. Satan hates that message because it's the best news in the world and it's the hope for all of us. Amen? And Revelation, I think it's 12, 11, says that Christians, believers, overcome Satan. They overcome the enemy, the devil, through the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. So when you go around sharing the gospel, you're just kicking Satan's butt all over the place. Or booty, sorry kids, right? You're just, you're showing him what's up when you're walking around sharing the gospel because he hates it and the gospel pushes forward the light and repels the darkness. <laughs> he hates the gospel. So he says, hey, get your feet ready. Be ready to share the gospel. So that means what we need to do, guys, we actually have a, a, a clipboard in the back. All of us need to go to seminary, and we all need to get degrees. Psych! No! 
All you need to do to be able to share the gospel is know Jesus and know how his story has changed your story and be willing to talk about it. Amen? Maybe preparing to share the gospel, maybe preparing to share, maybe it means you, need to, you do need to learn some scripture. Like I, I would absolutely say when you're going to share the gospel with somebody, share God's word, share from Romans, share from Ephesians chapter 2. But you don't have to go to seminary. You don't have to re- memorize this like 40-point plan. Know the story of Jesus. Know your story and be willing to talk about it. And I would, again, I would say <laughs> use scripture to do it. Secure the truth. Pursue purity, prepare to share. Verse 16, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. So again, man, we have an adversary who's shooting at us all the time. The fire is shooting at us, right? You know why I love that? <clears throat> Gosh, my voice keeps squeaking. You know why I love that imagery? Because that's how it often feels in our lives. That Satan is just back there with the demons, like they're up on the balcony and just, just firing away, right? When he says the shield of faith, I think that gives us an idea of what kind of arrows these are. I think they're probably arrows of Doubt, doubting who God is, doubting God's grace. Maybe it's arrows of shame. What we typically do, I have, here I'll just use this. I don't know what this is, some sort of sweet cable. Um, let's pretend this is an arrow that Satan has fired at us. Typically what we do, I think, what I do, I think you probably do too, is if the arrow hits us or lands by us, we look at it and we're like, oh, man, this hit me, maybe, maybe, oh gosh, what do I believe about God? Or is God in control in the situation? Like, we just stare at the arrow, don't we? And we worry and we fret and doubt, like, man, maybe I'm not a very good Christian because why would I even be having these thoughts? I want to invite you, put down the arrow and pick up, like it says, your shield of faith. (laughs) What does that mean? You choose faith. Faith, trust in God over feelings. <laughs> Choose faith over feelings. I, I think this is, I would, I gotta be honest with you, I, I struggle with this. I don't think my, my I'm not like everywhere emotionally, um, but often I think that my feelings are an accurate depiction of my relationship with God, and that could not be further from the truth. <laughs> Too many of us succumb to doubt and worry and discouragement and fear and anxiety because we're, we're staring at the arrows and what's wrong with me? And God says, put that down, fix your eyes on me, hold up the shield of faith, choose to believe me. I love what Eugene Peterson says that often if we'll do the right thing with our head and with our hands, meaning I'm going to choose to believe God that our heart, our emotions will soon follow. And that's good news. And I believe that when we pick up the, um, the shield of faith to extinguish Satan's arrows, what we end up finding as we, we choose God and trust God and have faith in him, and those arrows are extinguished, <laughs> we look at the arrow and later see, man, those are all lies. 
You're throwing a bunch of trash at me, bro. <laughs> These are all lies. Don't believe that. Pick up the shield of faith. You know, sometimes if you don't have your shield up, I hope you have your helmet on. He says, verse 16, by the way, just in case you're trying to write them down, secure the truth, pursue purity, prepare to share. Number four was choose faith over feelings. Next one, take the helmet of salvation. I think looking back at Ephesians, I think the idea here is remember whose you are. The helmet of salvation. So as I put on the helmet of salvation, I remember my identity in Christ. I remember that my salvation is bought through what he did, not what I've done. And my thoughts can begin to be protected and even, I would say, like, calm down as I put on the helmet of salvation, meaning I remember whose I am. Who are you? <laughs> Ephesians 1 says that if you're in him, you have an inheritance, that you've been redeemed, and that you've been sealed with the Holy Spirit. We saw in Ephesians 2 that if, if you're saved by Christ, that you've been brought from death to life. Now, how do I, even when some of those arrows hit me, how do I protect my head? <laughs> I got to remember who I am. Y'all, if you're always, if we are always comparing ourselves to other people, I'm not going to remember who you are or whose you are. <laughs> if you're finding your identity from how many likes you have on social media, that's not putting on your helmet. <laughs> Remember whose you are. And how do you remember that? What's a really good, simple way, like you can, not necessarily easy, but simple way to remember whose you are daily? Look at that. <laughs> scripture. And you know what's cool about Scripture? Scripture is not just a good way to remember whose you are. As you know, it's also part of our armor. It says, back to chapter 6, and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Which wouldn't it be awesome if like literally you could just walk around and be like, get out of my way, Satan. Like literally you just walked around with your Bible. Uh, Richard said that in, uh, when he used to serve in our student ministry back home, they made a video where they like acted like they were at church and someone actually got their arm cut off by the Bible. I wish we could find that video. That would be awesome. Um, it doesn't necessarily work like that. Like it's just this Hocus pocus, you just like put it out and I can shield you and it's the sword. No, but as you know the word of God, it is not only a defensive weapon, but an offensive weapon, right? I love that about this here. We kind of switch gears from just def defense to, hey, I'm going to move forward and I can not only defend myself, but I can attack the enemy with the word of God. But here's the deal. Like, this is like, follow the metaphor here. With any uh, firearm or, or weapon, whatever, just because you have it doesn't mean you're going to use it well. Right? Like, I think about the, the first time I went out to sh shoot my new shotgun, like, well, I'm ready. I'm in the, whatever, the uh, firing station, like sporting clays, and I pull the trigger, and I about jump through the, the little thing, pulling the trigger because my safety was on, right? Like, know your firearm, bro, right? Like, just because you have a Bible doesn't mean you know how to use it. To know how to use it, what do you have to do? You got to read it. <laughs> Man, I was talking, I'm going to chase a little rabbit here. 
A good rabbit, though. I love you, rabbit. Um, I was talking with a guy the other day, and he was saying, man, like, it's just so difficult. Absolutely it is. Absolutely it's difficult to read the Bible. But so are a lot of things in life, but you don't quit, right? Man, I, look, I love watching Colin play guitar because, man, he can shred that thing. Oh, man, don't we have an awesome team, by the way? Like, so gifted. Yeah, hallelujah, yes. <laughs> so gifted and good. Um, Colin, I'm gonna, you work your tail off to learn this, the guitar, right? Like, Colin would not tell you. And I've seen, he wouldn't say, I'm just, it just comes really easy. I'm just gifted, though he is. That dude works his tail off. And now, man, he knows his guitar. He can play that thing. We could think of a billion metaphors. We're not going to. We don't have time. Knowing your weapon, being able to use your weapon well requires some time. So maybe, I, mean, I don't know if that means you need to like, gosh, get a subscription to He Reads Truth or She Reads Truth. Maybe it means that's just like a Bible reading help. You can, there's an app. It's like $2.99 or $1.99 a month. Maybe it means you need to go on version, the free Bible app, and look up some reading plans. I don't know what it is, but get to know your weapon. Again, our, our sixth idea here is, idea, I keep saying idea. The sixth idea is know your Bible. Because <laughs> when you know your Bible, you're going to know your weapon. Take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Okay, so let's pause for a second. We're getting close. Those are the, the six items for the armor of God, right? So we got secure the truth, pursue purity, prepare to share, Choose faith over feelings. Remember whose you are and know your Bible. Because when you do, you know your weapon. Those are the six items for the armor of God. But I think Paul gives us two more things that help us fight against, help us stand against Satan. And we're going to move quickly. Verse 18, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer. And by the way, the whole, talking about the Holy Spirit there. With all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in change that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. So what does he tell us we should do? Real simple, one word, pray. Man, listen to this verse, uh, not verse. Listen to this quote from John Piper about prayer. He's a uh, pastor from up north. We won't hold that against him. All right. He says, until you believe that life is war, you can't know what prayer is for. Prayer is for the accomplishment of a wartime mission. It is as though the field commander, Jesus, called in the troops, gave them a crucial message, go and bear fruit, handed each of them a personal transmitter, it's like a walkie-talkie, coded to the frequency of the general's headquarters and said, soldiers, the general has a mission for you. He aims to see it accomplished. And to that end, he has authorized me to give each of you personal access to him through these transmitters. If you stay true to his mission and seek his victory first, he will always be as close as your transmitter to give tactical advice and to send in air cover when you or your soldiers need it. That's good. That's a good description of prayer, right? That when I'm out living life, trying to pursue Christ and follow him and Satan is scheming and plotting against me, I'm not out there fighting on my own, like trying, hoping I can figure it out. No, I just got to pick up my walkie-talkie and say, hey, Jesus, I could use some air cover right about now, right? I need you. I need your help. And God doesn't say, oh, I'll figure it out. No. And he's right there. You're not alone. 
So pray. Don't try to fight Satan by yourself. Pray. By the way, say, uh, excuse me, Jesus has Satan's number, right? Like, Satan don't stand a chance against him. <laughs> That's why, what does Scripture say? Satan would bite his heel and Jesus would crush his head. <laughs> I, don't know if, I don't know if you know, that means Jesus wins, right? Yeah, if, if you get in a fight and, like, your ankle has a little bite, but you crush the other person's head, I think you won, right? So call on Jesus. Don't go at it on your own. And speaking of, so again, number seven is pray. Speaking of that, one more thing. So that you also may know how I am and what I am doing, Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will tell you everything I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are, and that he may encourage your hearts. Peace be to the brothers. And and sisters too, he's not being sexist. And love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who love our God, excuse me, who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. Even Paul had people that he did life with, right? Even Paul needed community as he lived out his Christian faith. I think the eighth idea here is that I'm kind of tying to the armor of God, fight together. If even the apostle Paul needed community, needed relationships, needed people to to fight alongside with him, I'm pretty sure I do. So I'm going to pray, ask for God's help, but I'm also going to create community. Don't just expect community to come to you. Often you have to create community. It's kind of on us to create our own community here with the Lord's help. But I'm going to fight together, stand together. Been kind of on this kick of reading some Navy SEAL books, and, and over and over you get in this, find this idea of they love having, being part of a team. They're not going in alone. <laughs> so fight together. Give all eight to you one more time. Secure, how do do you stand firm against Satan's schemes? Secure the truth. Pursue purity. Prepare to share. Choose faith over feelings. Remember whose you are. Know your Bible. Pray and fight together. You know what I think a lot of us do? What I do? Is occasionally when I read the Ephesians or hear a sermon on the armor of God, it's kind of like, I go to my spiritual closet and I'm like, man, yeah, cool. That armor is awesome. That's so cool. And then I just leave it in the closet and I go about my business, (laughs) like living my life. I think too many of us, we do that. Armor of God, yeah, we get hyped up. Armor of God, stand firm. And we never put the armor on. Like, if, if you knew a soldier who they're out in the battlefield and they had no armor on, and, and you asked them, hey, you're like exposed to enemy fire. Where's your armor? And they said, oh, I've got it. It's back at the, the barracks. Is that the right word? Like, it, it's back over there. You would say, well, put it on. If you have it, use it. <laughs> put it on. You get it? <laughs> Yo, we have armor, so let's put it on. <laughs> 
requires action. I think about World War II, probably, the, I would argue, the day that transitioned the, like the switch things from Hitler winning to the Allies winning was D-Day. Pretty incredible day. <laughs> the Allies didn't just talk about it. Oh, man, we've got these great plans. No, it required action. And that one day of them saying, we're going to storm the beaches of Normandy, that one day changed everything because they took action. What if today, spiritually speaking, was our D-Day where we said, we're going to take action. And for the first time, I'm going to actually start suiting up every day, not with a, a nice tailor-made suit. Actually, well, this is, I think it is tailor-made by God, but not like nice cotton or wool. No, I'm going to, I'm going to, every day put on the armor of God so I can suit up and stand firm. I'm tired of taking enemy, enemy fire. I'm tired of seeing my friends and family take enemy fire. So I'm going to remind them to suit up too. So how do you do that? Man, I, think it's, I don't think there's hocus pocus, but I think it could be as simple as this. What if in your Bible, again, you could do this a billion different ways. I'll give you one way. What if in your Bible, Next to Ephesians 6, 10 through the end of the chapter, you wrote today's date, 11, 17, 19, and wrote, the day I started suiting up. <laughs> and what if after that, if you just do that and then tomorrow you're like, forget to put on your armor, that doesn't, that's just hype. <laughs> but what if every day, as much as you can, we're not, not going to be legalistic about it, but what if every day, you just took even, I encourage more than this, but even 30 seconds to read through the armor and just say a quick prayer, God, help me to suit up today. Help me to secure the truth. Help me to pursue purity. Help me to prepare to share. Help me, I, I can't remember the rest of the time I had, but you get what I'm saying, right? Help me to do those things. Help me to suit up and help me to stand firm. I think we see a lot less casualties in our faith. So what I want to do is give you a moment as we're beginning this time of response is give you a moment with you and God and ask God to help you to start suiting up and standing for maybe some of you realize in this moment the Holy Spirit's been working and you realize man I've been like giving in to Satan's schemes and like he's he's scheming against me right now and I haven't even realized that maybe you just want to ask God to get you out of that plot to maybe come and provide some air cover so you can get out of that situation. Or maybe you do want to, in your Bible, during this moment of quiet here in a second, write that you started suiting up on 11, 17, 19. And if you realize you don't know Christ, you don't know the gospel of peace that Paul talked about, man, I'll be back in the back and a couple of our other pastors, we'd love to pray with you. Maybe answer some questions if you like, what is it, okay, gospel of peace, what does it mean to know Christ? We'd love to talk with you. Whatever it is, let's respond. I'll give you a moment to, to be quiet and talk with the Lord. If you are encouraged by today's talk, be sure to subscribe and rate us wherever you stream your podcast. The goal of The Venue is to help you find your greatest pleasure and purpose in Jesus by being relational, helpful, hopeful, and real. Thanks again for listening to The Venue Podcast.